Hey everyone, welcome to the Practica Podcast, where we encourage the practical application of the pulpit ministry and the local church. And I'm here today, as always, with my faithful co-host in crime, David Lawler. It's good to be here. How as are always. you? I'm good. It's good to see you, man. It's good to be seen. So I gotta say, on my way up here today, I was in like nostalgia heaven. I was cranking Petra. So my question, <laughs> That's some nostalgia. To, oh, dude, I love it so much. So I am an I, I I am unironically, unapologetically, I love Petra so much. Like it is such a fun band. I love Christian '80s music. Yeah. Um, I'm somewhat of a. I don't know if you knew this. I'm somewhat of a Christian '80s apologist. In really? That, in that, I, for like from when I was in middle school till probably end of college. Like Christian 80s rock was like all I listened to. So I can talk about Christian 80s rock like the average average 60 year old, right? Like I know names, I know albums, I know dates. It is so weird. It's, I want to say it's a, it's like a, it's a claim to fame. But it's really not because it's so niche. <laughs> yeah, and it's really not anything to be proud of. It feels but like <laughs> there are people who know everything about Petra, and then there are yes. people who know nothing about Petra. I know everything about Petra. I don't know that I. I don't say that as a point of pride. It's just <laughs> I was obsessed with them, and dude, I was listening to the uh, "This Means War" album coming right. up here, and such, such a great album. Fantastic album. See, I grew up in the Foursquare Church, so Petra was a big oh, deal. You know, you know they had that. They they had like that. You know, deep eighties like yes. space sounding snare drum. Yep. You know where it would just reverberate through your speaker system. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I do you know Do you know Petra well Petra. enough to know if you're a Greg X Volts guy or a John Schlitt guy? No. Okay. No. That's My okay. dad that's okay. could give that answer because everyone everyone has their preferred right. Like you're either early Petra. Yeah. Or you're what I like to call like successful Petra. <laughs> See, and my dad wasn't wasn't the picky type, so I think Petra was Petra to him. And that's that's where I fall. But I then like he could listen both. to this. I, I don't think he does, but if he listens to this, he'd probably be like, No, David, I'm this one. Yeah, yeah. He'd 100%. Correct me. That would how, be the one how, how could you not know this, David? <laughs> yeah. Do you not know me? <laughs> yeah. That would that would be his response. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. No, I love Petra. I wonder if any of our listeners like Petra. I don't know. It'd you be know a what? fun thing to find it out. Would, it would. Tell it us would. if you like Petra. Tell us if you like Petra. This is so random. But and yeah, everybody's nostalgia know. is different, too. I know this is yes, not the point at all. Is. But like, uh, even on Sunday, someone had told me about a song um, that a band did, and she was describing the lyrics, and I was like, oh, you mean DC Talk? And she's like, no, David. That is a song DC Talk covered in your oh, generation. <laughs> okay, I was like, I'm too young to was understand it, the was context. It, um, uh, in the light. Yes, it was in the light. Yes, it because talking. it was Charlie Peacock that that's, originally sang. That's it. right. Yeah, that's right. And and she was like, you know that song, "Be in the Light," and I was like, oh yeah, from DC Talk. Yeah, okay, you you went, like, Yeah, there are some circles where she I had am the, like, she people had the are face thoroughly of, Get impressed. Behind me, Satan. <laughs> yeah, you know, like. You have wronged me with so your assertion of who they actually this. have him at the very end of that track singing. Oh, okay. they had Charlie Peacock in the studio and he sang a few bars at the very end of the uh, of their. Cover. And you are an apologist. There's some circles where this is very impressive. This is obviously not the circle. <laughs> no, <yeah>. <laughs> not really. <laughs> That's funny. Moving Man. on. Yes, moving on, David. Before we hop into our um, 
our passage today. Yes. What has become somewhat tradition. And by tradition, I mean, I think one episode (laughs) (laughs) in which we have done this. Uh, Dude, I've got a little I've got a little joke for you. Oh, man. Oh, man. What's the joke? This is a banger. It's so funny. All right. (laughs) All right. Here here you go. Uh, (laughs) A little laugh. You can't even compose yourself. Look, here's the thing. It's so bad that it's good, right? It's one of those jokes. Is it like a dad joke? Yeah, 100%. It's a dad joke. So we will laugh. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay. (laughs) A skeleton walks into a bar and says, hey, bartender, I'll have one beer and a mop. (laughs) (laughs) That's so lame. (laughs) Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's so good, dude. Oh, my goodness. Oh, now you gotta have people send in their favorite dad jokes. Dude, that would be amazing. Yes. Because we're not only wanting people's Listeners, questions. Okay, okay. But but here's the caveat. They have to send them to me. Because okay. I don't want you to see them because I want to be able to drop them on you. Okay. So, listeners, so send, send some, me your dad jokes. Yeah. With every question you send, send a, send a dad joke. Absolutely. It will make Josh's day. It will. Yeah. It will. And David will be the grateful recipient of them all. Especially if they're better than that one. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Fine. <laughs> David, where were you in the... That, that sounded accusing. Where were you? <laughs> yeah. I needed you. You were there, but you were not yeah, there. Yeah, you Sunday. weren't there. Um, You were, uh, again, continuing in First John. In First John, we're right. in chapter two currently. Okay. And Sunday, we had looked at verses seven through 11. Sunday, you know, too, Sunday felt kind of weird. Kind of felt, oh, yeah. Kind of felt off. Some people were at home with stomach bugs. And oh, sure. Some people felt like it was off. You know, too, the weather is shifting a ton. So Weather's means... shifting. We're still getting used to the time change. Oh, like, man. Which, which it, never happens. We yeah. never get used to it. No. We just change our complaining styles. <clears throat> Did that finally pass? <laughs> I don't think so. I think like Senate every year they it? talk oh, about goodness. it. Anyways, I'm not trying to start a tangent, but no, yeah, no, 100%. We, were, we had looked at verses 7 through um, 11 of chapter 2. Okay. Well, why don't I read that for us? Wonderful. You'll give us a short uh, overview of the sermon. Emphasis on short. Yeah, uh, yeah. again, emphasis on short. You are a Reformed Baptist preacher. We have to (laughs) emphasize that any chance we get. Um, And then we'll go into just kind of our thoughts on practical application, and then we have some some solid questions that that we want to actually give more time to than I think your and I's just... Dialogue. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Okay. 1 John chapter 2, starting verse 7 says this, Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness, and walks in the darkness, and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Hmm. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Uh, Amen. Amen. So... Why don't you give us just a little overview of yeah. those those verses in your your exposition, and then we'll hop in uh, we'll hop in talking about it. Yeah, certainly. So, in this exposition, you know, verse seven begins by John calling the believers the beloved. Um, 
you know, really it's centered around him addressing the brethren, um, kind of jokingly pointed to a, a brother in our own congregation who uh, values the, the King James version. And so, you know, I just joke that he was the only one who probably got what brethren means when you say it today. <laughs> um, but it really is a reference to brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and so that was a, a valuable context that we see that, you know, we're given a new commandment that we may love the brethren, we may love the church, um, and walk in the light. Um, in this exposition, the the driving theme was this new commandment, not a suggestion, not an idea that John is proposing anew, but an old commandment then stated in a new way through Christ, not through John, but through Christ, which we find in John 13, um, really commands us to love one another. And I really tried to draw out that, that in the new commandment, the difference from what we find in Leviticus 19 of the old commandment is that Christ is our example. He is the perfect and full and final example. He's the substance and source of being able to accomplish this new commandment. And so John is often doing this interesting thing where he'll he'll focus on a positive for the believer with the reality of the negative. Because you have to imagine he's he is writing this to the church when false teachers are potentially among the congregation, those who are followers of these false teachers. Um, and so there's still, even if you know many have gone out, there's some who are potentially there. These believers have been very, uh, I would say, almost radically plagued by the false teaching. And so John's wanting them to know, um, you know, if we hate our brother, if we hate our fellow believer, and we claim to be in fellowship with God, we're liars. We walk in darkness. John says, we don't know where we're going if we we claim that, those who walk in darkness. And so my outline was really to focus on the positive for the believer while really trying to acknowledge the negative realities of what those around John were claiming um, and again, something that I thought was very profound, you know, the previous week was on verses 3 through 6, and as this week was on 7 through 11, we were really continually dealing with God's commandments. And it really does seem something that John's not done doing, that, but that he'll do even in the next chapter, is really show in summary and in a new covenant outline um, how to see the Ten Commandments through the lens of Christ and new covenant. Um, and so I really thought it was a, a really profound thing that, um, you know, again, as we talked last week, we're not we're not done with the moral law of God. It's timeless and true. And and so it's really the law, as as Paul says in Romans 13, the law is summed up in, in love. Um, and so that is one thing that really I tried to drive home, that we're commanded to love one another. And so, of course, that brings up um, how do you do that? Um, you know, I had questions throughout, um, but that was a question by several in our congregation. Okay, I hear you. This is a command. This is very clear. Um, my ending question was, how are we, are we loving one another according to Christ and according to his commands? And so that kind of left our congregation with that question, how do we practically love one another? So that really becomes the theme and focus of our discussion too. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, and and it is it is the correct question, right? And I think John very clearly and and wonderfully makes the makes the 
the connection between like, look, if you are in the light, your application of it, you will love each other. Right. Yeah. Now, how you love each other takes on a lot of different forms. Right. Um, love is something that can manifest itself in many different ways. It can manifest itself in, um, you know, um, encouragement. Right, coming alongside someone who is struggling and 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 giving them the truth of the gospel and 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 helping shoulder the burden that they are under. Right, love can manifest itself in correction. Right, in seeing a brother or a sister moving away from the standard of scripture in their life, and again coming alongside them with the gospel, right. speaking truth into their life. Right. Um, and yeah. yeah, and I think that is why, um, to me, John is very explicit to show us that the source and substance is Christ. Absolutely. I mean, Jesus was very clear, you know, <clears throat> the the commandment was love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, this is what's new, love one another as I have loved you. So in order to love one another, we have to we have to know Christ. We have to we have to love Christ. You know, I was looking this week um, in preparation for our conversation at um, Philippians two, for example, um, where you see this profound picture that Paul is showing about the humility of Christ mm-hmm. and his work of which he accomplished, and it's really a profound picture of how then Paul goes on to address. Uh, the believers, um, when he's telling them of Christ's example of humility, and then he tells them, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of of others, and I could keep on reading in oh, Philippians yeah. too, but I think that's just one of many passages. First Corinthians thirteen. You mm-hmm. have natural questions going from that. Am I more focused on my own interests when I gather with fellow believers, or am I am I caring for the for the interests and the and the and the positive gospel interests yeah. of my brothers and sisters? So there's yeah. some practical ways in which are important, and I think. Remembering that that our example is Christ right. and His sacrificial finished work. Now that is a is a helpful drive for us. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So first and foremost, obviously, like you just stated, your example is Christ. You want to know how to love your brothers and sisters well. You want to know how to practically put that into work in your life. Right. Look at how Christ interacted with those around him. Look at how he interacted with his disciples. Look at how he interacted with people like Nicodemus, Zacchaeus, the woman at the well, right? Look at how Christ manifests his love to these individuals, right? It's through truth, but it's also gentleness, right? Mm -hmm. And care, a genuine care for the person's soul, right? He never just leaves them with just the spiritual or just the physical, right? He would always heal the person and then what? Go and sin no more, right? And he would he would he would address both the physical and the spiritual, right? So he's he's Christ as always, the perfect example for how we practically live out love with our brothers and sisters, right? Yeah. But let's start getting into some of the actual physical, practical ways that we can do this as a church. Um, and I will caveat this with, and this is something that we were talking about before we recorded. I want to. 
very, <laughs> I want to be careful as we talk about these practical things that we are not simply creating a spiritual checklist that we, then we can go check, check. All right. I, I loved my family this week yeah, and then move on. Right. This is much more about a heart motive, <laughs> much more about a motivation than it is a list of things to do, even though it should result in us practically doing things right. The heart that is behind it, I believe is so much more important than Okay, how many you know? How many people did you contact today? How many texts yeah. did you send? Uh, how many people did you get together with? How many things around the church did you help fix? Right, those are all good things to do and very practical ways that we show our love for our brothers and sisters. But I want to make sure that nobody is hearing us say, "Okay, if you do this, fill this blank, cross this T, dot this I, you're good." Right. Right. Um, it's not so much about a legalistic works based thing versus more of a this is the motivation that we should be having because of the gospel and the grace and the love that has been shown to us. Right. right? So let's start to get into with that being the caveat. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's start getting into some of the practical ways that you and I have seen this loving one another manifest himself in the context of the local church. Yeah. That literally gets to the first question. <laughs> that I had received, which is what does biblical Christian to Christian love look like Monday through Saturday at great, Redeemer? Great question. Um, yeah. I, I think, especially at Redeemer, one of the ways that I have seen um, that that take place, um, biblical love for one another, is being in each other's homes and in each other's lives on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, Again, we we can have some wonderful fellowship both in the morning Lord's Day service, our prayer service in the evening, and and you know eating meals with one another during the day. But then again, as the question is has been asked, you have Monday through Saturday, right? And uh, again, while we go out into a world that, um, you know, again is is not our home. Um, we have fellow believers who belong to the same kingdom we do. And so to spend time with them is invaluable. And I think one of the ways in which I've practically seen that um, happen well, um, not in, not to try to fabricate something or, or create that spiritual checklist, as you call it, um, is in uh, groups, in whatever you want to call them, whether community, fellowship, small, but groups where where there are believers in that local church saying, I am going to commit to prioritize this time to build relationship with you. Yeah. And that's the other thing that you learn in that context that, that we were talking about before we hit record is that you, you cannot just assume that if we're going to love one another, that that means we're just going to know one another perfectly and have best friend relationships right when we sit down together. Sure. To practically love one another, I mean, again, if we're if we're understanding that the scriptures call us to bear one another's burden, you know, go after the brother who's stumbling or going into sin, or mm-hmm. or, or or again being patient, being slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to anger. If we're gonna practice all these ways of going about loving one another, then all of that is going to take time, and that's that's the aspect that I think a lot of people don't give enough discussion toward is that 
real community within the church, right? Close relationships. It takes time to forge. It's not going to be manufactured. It's not going to be something where it's like, all right, let's you know we're gonna we have this new uh, we have this new segment uh, you know co- coffee with with you know our pastors and this is where we all get together and we come, pizza uh, with the pastor pizza with the pastor right <laughs> coffee and community right um, it's those those types of <laughs> those types of um, attempts at community though I believe the the heart behind it is is good. And what they're trying to foster is good. Um, don't really speak to reality, because there's a lot of introverts out there. <laughs> okay, right. let's just be practically real. There's a lot of individuals that don't do well in a big group setting. A lot of individuals that find it kind of difficult to make friends. Right, find it sure. kind of difficult to connect with people. I totally understand that. Right, I totally get that. That's a reality for so many people, and I'm sure so many people that are listening and are at Redeemer. Right, you're you're thinking you're thinking to yourself like, okay, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't really like one have the desire to like get to know a bunch of people, which I which I get. Um, or I might just like it's not something that I it comes natural to me, right? Sure. That's why I think setting the expectations for how community and that closeness that we're talking about that that relational closeness comes about. It's important to set those expectations from the very from from the get go. Right. This isn't something you're going to you're going to just manufacture overnight. Right? right. And you're not going to have the same level of closeness with everybody in your church. Right. That's not a bad thing. And I know that might be a shocking statement for some people, but I'm not as close to, you know, f- this person as I am this person just because of the circumstances in which the Lord designed our relationship to be formed. Sure. Right. Um. And again, that doesn't mean that I'm rude to this person. It doesn't mean that I don't seek to 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 have a greater relationship with this person. It just that's just the reality of it, right? And I think we one important aspect is not put that pressure on ourselves or others that we have to be we have to be best friends with everybody, right? Just because that's not that's not reality. It's it's not going to happen. Um, but at the same time, striving toward having that relational closeness. Um, and realizing that that it takes time to do. Right. Right. And I think, um, you know, to speak of it practically, it is, I mean, even for, for me, who I, I'm privileged to have a schedule that allows me to focus on the ministry of the word and prayer and, and a schedule where I can more freely meet with others. For a brother or sister in the in the local church to try and meet with six to ten people in a week that is a context in where, whether it be the scheduling or the amount of communication, yeah. that is really you just taxing. Do it. Yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> so to have six to eight brothers and sisters in a room where you are together and and able to build relationship, where there is not that that pressure then on one to one going, okay, we're we're here. We gotta we gotta you know check every box, but really being able to week after week. Be in the be in the long haul for how to love one another. I, I think even a practical thing that I've I've noticed, um, you know, like certain brothers who've been very very intentional when they think about how do I love, uh, when they think about like a, a practically applying um, the one another's 
in scripture, I've noticed that some of them will write down questions that they'll meet with a brother and they'll ask those questions. Yeah, sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and even asking them about, I think one of the ways we can love one another is even asking how, how is your marriage? How is your walk with the Lord? What are you learning? What are you struggling with? Again, you think of these passages like 1 Corinthians 13, for example, and that that will walk you through some practical applications. So I think questions, I mean, again, that's why these groups um, become valuable. And honestly, it's why that is one of the things I am hopeful to see in the near future at Redeemer is groups during the week that would commit to to love one another where where we would be caring for one another well and and it's important and we were all talking about this before uh recording also it's important to understand and to set the expectation right right at the beginning that it is our intention although we understand it'll take some time because that's how relationships work but it's our intention to move beyond the theological you never move out of the theological right and theology is often a good segue into being able to form those relationships, right? But if we just stop at the theological, like, all right, we're just going to get together and, you know, work through <laughs> Burkhoff's systematic theology, right? It's not a bad thing to do, but we also need to understand that the real relational closeness that we're talking about requires you to get deeper than that. And when you say theological, you mean like you're talking about theological knowledge. Correct. Okay. And Correct. I think that's a helpful yeah. distinction because, you know, I think of um, theology studies I've done with guys where, um, man, I remember one brother in the church um, had this profound realization. Like literally it was an it was an example before us as a group of God revealing the truth of his word to this brother and yeah. him going, that is makes so much sense. We were studying a portion of covenant theology. Sure. Yeah. And and he was so profoundly moved and and there was there was this part where from that it was theology acknowledged and theology applied. And right. for him he was like, I, I don't want to move from this moment. I want to deeply like I want to acknowledge those things and 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 talk about those and how they man, that's how I'm now realizing areas where that affects my life and the truth of that 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 helps me understand things. So, yeah, you, you know, we talked earlier how I was mentioning, you know, what classes and and theological studies are are valuable, mm-hmm. and I think, um, you know, there it's kind of like if you if you meet a person who like is really buff from the waist up, but they've never heard of leg day, you know, <laughs> that's kind of what I think of in the person who says, well, I do theological groups. I don't need community. Right. I don't need a community. Yeah. Group. One is not at all in the intention of replacing the other. And they're going to like almost bleed into the oh, other. Oh, hundred percent. They will. Yeah. But they, they're really intending to serve different purposes. Yep. Um, yep. And so, you know, again, it is valuable. I know brothers who've sat together and gone through a chapter in a book of uh, a book of the Bible or in books um, from theologians. But you also need that time, even if it's with that theological group, where you are able to practice the the one another's and going, okay, how do we go out from here? How are we living Monday through Saturday with one another? So it's not just theological knowledge, right? It's right. uh, you could almost say it's theological practice. Well, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. And it's it's there are many individuals who are very theologically sound, 
right? And can rattle off all the ologies and all the isms, which is great. It's 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 important to know. It's vital to know, right? But they struggle with connecting with individuals and answering questions such as, where are you failing in your marriage? How can I help you? How can we come alongside each other? How are you struggling as a Christian in this dark world that we're living, right? What are some joys that you have where you see the Lord working on your life, right? It that Those types of questions and, and creating an environment, again, through small groups. I love that. I really love that small groups are kind of the focus of this because they really are, in my opinion, one of the best environments for this relational closeness that we're talking about to form. I love small groups and small groups always have theology in them. Uh, Well, uh, all good small groups (laughs) always have theology in them, right? But it also understands we need a place for that theology to go, right? I need to be able to utilize that theology and be able to speak into your life and, and you to be able to utilize that theology, speak into my life where I'm lacking. Right. And things like small groups. And again, big picture. That's what we're talking about when, when we talk about how do we practically love one another? It's it's this relational focus that everything kind of points to is I need to be able to take everything that I've learned. Right. And, and all, you know, all this theology and all this. Stuff, I need a place for that to practically manifest itself. And that is me not simply stopping at talking theology with you although that's fun to do and that's profitable to do. I want to know you. I want to know how you're doing. I want to know how I can, how I can better love you as your brother in Christ. Right. And that takes time because, because in order for us to have that conversation, trust needs to be there. Mm -hmm. Right. I need to know you're not going to take this and then turn around and use it as a, wiffle ball bat and hit me up upside the head right sure um it takes time for that type of unity and relational quality to happen within a church and it's okay that it takes time right Right. and i think i think we need we need to be okay with those relationships taking the time to do it and not be frustrated when it's just not moving fast enough for me right yeah yeah, you know, one um, brother asked uh, the question, "Can we love one another primarily from a distance?" And I think great the, question. I think the answer to that is a resounding no. No. And again, I think there are some areas we've acknowledged where there is a a natural um, type of I don't know if distance would be the right word in this, but again, like we've acknowledged, not everybody is going to be best friends and in, in each other's home every other day or or calling each other there there are different relationships in closeness for people but again i think one of the things that john really touches on is you know again one of the ways we often see today that people are in a sense hating their brother is to say i love jesus i just don't love the church i don't need the local church right it's it's a relationship it's not religion yeah um you know what that's akin to that's akin to that's akin to saying I love my kids, but I never see them. Like like I love my kids, but I don't do anything for them. I don't provide for them. I'm not invested in their life, but I love them. I'm just never there, right? If you had a parent with small kids who was never there for their kids, never spoke to them, never interacted with them, 
but they say they love them and, you know, think they're a good parent, we would say, actually, you're not. <laughs> yeah. That's actually really bad practice. Yeah. Right. That's akin to what we are saying. If we say, oh, I love Jesus, but I hate the people Jesus died for. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a, yeah. that's, it's a very serious contradiction. Yeah. It's, it's a severing the head from the body. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. And, uh, yeah, I think, um, again, especially in the culture we live in, um, we have grown incredibly individualistic. So this does, mm. this does butt up against, um, you know, the ways in which we would acknowledge that Christ says, if you would come and follow after me, you must die to yourself, pick up your cross. Um, we acknowledge that, but at the same time, sometimes we we remain very individualist, individualistic. We we yeah. think, well, in order to give of myself, to give of my time, I got to sacrifice some stuff. Well, that sounds a lot like what what Jesus gave as an example. It's huh, pretty where sacrificial. Have I heard this before, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, to love one another is going to be a butting up against um, a cultural thinking of what love is, and so. Within that, we're definitely challenged to look through the lens of Christ and not practice love as the world does and say, okay, I have my best friend, I have my online friends, and then I have my immediate family. But to really say, I have a community that is is people together in the local church that are redeemed by the blood of Christ mm-hmm. and called to live in that community with one another. And so definitely we can't say that that we can love one another if there's no connection to any of the brothers and sisters from Monday through Saturday. And so I think that's one of the reasons why even in studying through John, the Lord, it seems, has placed a need for further community on many people's hearts in, in uh, at Redeemer. And I think that will be one of the things that's valuable to seek to increase in is our fellowship with one another and our care for one another and how we love each other. Well, and I just want to commend those saints, too. Like, there's, especially in the world we live in, like you were saying, David, such, such we live in such an individualistic society. That's crept into the church, Right simply having individuals who understand they need community and want community and want to seek ways to to increase the quality of community they have man good on you guys like well done that is such a that one that's such a mentality that is so countercultural today to understand like i need people i need my brothers and sisters i need a place where i can be vulnerable a place where i can share my struggles and, and and my joys, right? Um, and realizing that that needs to be your local church primarily. Um, kudos kudos to you for understanding and seeing that need and wanting to actually practically do something about it. Just because that's something that doesn't happen in a lot of churches. And it's really sad. Yeah. It's really sad. And that just the fact that people are asking those questions and, 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 um, you know, showing a desire, communicating a desire for that, man, that is so encouraging to me. Um, yeah, that's, 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 that's fantastic. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Stir one another on to love and good works. Yeah. I think it's a great need within the body. hundred yeah. percent. All right, man. Well, uh, there's plenty more that can be said, but yeah. we're already almost at 40 minutes. Uh, so we're going to, 
we're gonna we're gonna call that for right now. <laughs> um, send us your questions, and even more like we love interacting with your guys' questions. It's fantastic. Yeah, and um, send Josh a few dad jokes. Yes, yeah, send me a few dad jokes. I'm gonna make sure to give them to David. He's gonna hate me for it, and I'm gonna <laughs> love that he hates me for it. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. David, I'm just seeking to, you know, be close to you. I'm seeking to have, you know, real relational quality with you. And what I, is a relationship if not forged through trial? Oh man. You know? I have a feeling we're gonna have more conversation when we stop recording. Yeah, hundred percent. This is this this is our trial right here. You have to deal with this, but don't worry, on the other end, you're just gonna love me more. That's the only hope. <laughs> <laughs> No, it'll happen. It is happening. <laughs> we can only hope. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you all for listening. Uh, we thank you, Redeemer, Saints at Redeemer, for listening, interacting with us. We really love you guys. And uh, we pray that this could just continues to be encouraging to you um, and something that you continue to interact with. Those that are not at Redeemer that are listening to this, uh, same thing. We pray it's encouraging to you. We pray that it just furthers your commitment to your local church and shows, you know, and, and just increases the love that you have for it. Um, you can reach us through our website. We have a website. It's practicapod.com. Boom. There. And it's the same thing for all of our socials. Practicapod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can reach out to the show and submit questions or dad jokes uh, on any of those platforms. There's a contact us page on the website. You can reach out to David and I um, individually. I- I'm on all the socials, just Josh Loftus, pretty pretty simple. Um, Saints at Redeemer, you have access to David and the other elders there. Um, so yeah, we thank you all for listening and uh, we'll catch you on the next ep of the Practica podcast. Have an awesome week. Uh,